I think it was one or two Sundays after we announced this emphasis on uh, above and beyond, and we had uh, mentioned the uh, passage in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 as being our focal passage, and at least two of our young people took it upon themselves to go ahead and memorize that passage. Now, we have a sermon in two parts this morning, one having to do with that passage of Ephesians uh, 3, 20 and 21, and then we will be going to uh, Ephesians 4 uh, in a few minutes. But Kendall Field and Madeline Hyde, if you guys would come on up, uh, they took it upon themselves to memorize this uh, theme passage for the entire year, and we thought uh, how appropriate it would be to have them share together uh, this passage. So y'all can go to this mic over here, and just whenever you guys are ready. to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, you guys. That was great. Did that with such ease and poise. So impressed. Well, we've been looking forward to today, haven't we? We gather together uh, as one to give of ourselves as one. And when you think of oneness, there's no better book really in the entire Bible than Ephesians, which Paul wrote. It's a unique letter because it's the so-called circular letter. Has anybody ever heard of Ephesians being called the circular letter? And do you know why? It was what? The what? It kept going around. Exactly, Lillian. Give it up for Lillian. She got it right. You get an A, but the student that I put, this is an actual, I'm going to tell you all, this is a question from my final exam that I give for biblical perspectives. It's the so-called circular letter, as Lillian said, because it was written not just for the church at Ephesus. Uh, Paul, in other letters, clearly deals with very specific issues in a specific church. Ephesians is different. It's broader, it's more general, and it's about the unity of the body of Christ, the unity of the church. That's really the one theme that he hammers on again and again in this wonderful, wonderful book. In fact, I think it's his, it's his best, uh, best letter. So I'm going to show you one thing, though, and this is where I sometimes worry about where higher education is going, because it was the circular letter. Now, if I were to ask you, and I know Lillian knows this, the so-called, if this was a fill-in-the-blank, The so-called circular letter that stresses the unity of the body of Christ is, and you would say, what? (laughs) I'm completely lost. No, the so-called circular letter that stresses the unity of the body of Christ is, what's the letter? Ephesians. Okay, let's all do that together again. (laughs) The so-called circular letter, y'all need to go back to college. Uh, The so-called circular letter that stresses the unity of the body of Christ is... A few semesters ago, I had apparently an enterprising young student who didn't know the answer, but then decided that maybe they did. But when I looked at it, I thought, oh, they're saying, oh, oh, he's coming up blank with this. The answer he gave was the so-called circular letter that stresses the unity of the body of Christ is, and I thought, oh, I'm drawing a blank. You know, it's zero. I don't know. And then I thought, no, you know what he was thinking? Oh, the circular letter, the letter... Oh, 
That was on an exam. Yeah, I don't know if he passed. I don't know if he did or not. Anyway, well, next year is Jubilee year. It's our 50th year, and what better way to celebrate than by doubling our missions work. You know, since January, God has been uh, challenging us really to consider going above and beyond and doubling our mission efforts during our Jubilee year, which will be 2019, and doing it specifically in two ways, twice the hands and twice the heart. As it says up here, twice the hands is what? Doubling our missions through praying, partnering, or going, and you will put uh, the, one of those on your uh, pledge card, and twice the heart. Doubling our 2019 budget for missions through sowing, strengthening, or scholarships, and we've been talking about that. And that's an exciting thing to be doing, and it's been exciting to do that. And, and given the fact that we are so committed to this, it's so exciting to be here on this day, which is our Pledge Sunday. And I go back to the first Sunday in January when I quoted Dale Moody, one of the great Baptist theologians in history, and was honored to have him preach in two of my churches, his monumental magisterial work called The Word of Truth, which is on Christian doctrine, which is about this thick. I remember when I got to the chapter on the doctrine of the church, but what fascinated me even back then was how he immediately coupled it and really interwove it with missions. And this is, the, this is the opening sentence of that entire incredible theological piece on the church, and this is what he said. Mission is the meaning of the church. Indeed, the church is mission, and where there is no mission, there is no church. God has called the church out from the world to send her back into the world with a message and a mission. And I am so grateful to be a part of a church body like Brookwood Baptist Church that understands it that way. Never been a part of a church that understands that better than Brookwood. And we gather here to celebrate the God who created this sense of mission within us. It's a time for doxology of celebration and a commitment to be unified in our mission together. And doxology really takes precedence in the first part of our of our uh, passage, which was uh, recited so marvelously by Kendall and Madeline. And it really speaks to glorifying God, giving him all the doxology, all the doxos. We offer doxa to him, which is the word glory. Let's go back to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, which really is our theme verse for the entire year. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, what does it say there, help me, infinitely more, say it with me, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Infinitely more. And I love how he puts infinitely more. It's huperpanta in the Greek. It literally means he who is able to do above and beyond. There's our theme right there. And we didn't even know that that's what these words meant until we studied it further after we had already coined the theme for the year of above and beyond. And then the word for more is very interesting. It's huper ekparisu. Huper ekparisu. It means, again, above. Ek means out of or beyond. Here's another above and beyond word. And then parisu around. Those words brought together really speak to how God is above all things and beyond all things and around all things and in all of us as we do his work for the kingdom. And that's really what our campaign is all about. 
And I hope and pray that we will know that it is to his glory alone, as the reformers used to say, soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. Back in London in 1877, a man who attended the church of the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon had an American friend who was visiting him in London, and the British man took the American man to church at Metropolitan Church one Sunday to hear Spurgeon preach. And afterwards, as they were returning to the British man's house, the British man asked, what did you think of our pastor? And the American said, I thought very little of your pastor at all, but I thought a great deal about his Savior. Glory to God alone, soli deo gloria. And that Savior is able to accomplish infinitely more. Uh, You know, when I was a kid, I learned it as unto him who is able to do immeasurably more. God is a doer. He is on mission. He is in action. And through this offering, you and I will see what God will do. And he will do incredible things, perhaps more significant things missionally than we have done in a long time at Brookwood. I hope and pray that that's the case. And we will see God accomplish more than we could ever dream. And that's why we need to go above and beyond. Which brings us to this. Just last week, uh, Ethan Asters, who used to be our praise worship leader here at Brookwood, uh, recorded a song (laughs) just for us. And uh, it speaks in many ways to to us. And I love the uh, opening reading that Keith put together because it mentioned whole church taking the whole... uh, uh, whole church taking the whole mission to the whole world, the whole gospel to the whole world. And um, in this song, which is entitled Above and Beyond, uh, Ethan talks about uh, the Spirit moving in and through us, which was our theme last year, breathe, Holy Spirit moving through us. It speaks to twice the hands where he says, guide our hands and make them speak as we work to bring your peace. And it speaks to twice the heart in his words, let us give as we receive with a heart that's full and free. So let's listen to the song above and beyond. This is the first time we're going to hear it. And be sure to look at the words and let them sink in. And as you do so, give doxology to the God who has brought us to this time and this place.
Our next scripture reading is Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This is the word of the Lord. So after his majestic doxology, again, which some of us have taken the time to memorize, Paul goes right into this passage whose thrust really is all about oneness. He says, because God is to be glorified in doxological fashion in all we do, we must remain one as we do that and as we go on mission for him. So, as Lynn just read, you go to Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, where he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We're called to be unified as we give. We are all a part of Christ's body. We are all needed. You've heard that before, but it is such a truth that Paul magnifies in 1 Corinthians 12, which we talked about recently, that all of us are members of one body. We all are parts of that body And no matter how big or small you are, as a part of that body, you are vitally needed. You know, the three smallest bones in the human body are in, they're called the middle ear ossicles. Who's our ENT person? Middle ear ossicles, I think. There's the malleus, the incus, and the stapes, more commonly known as the hammer, the anvil, and the stirrup. And these middle ear ossicles are incredibly small. They work in obscurity, never seen visibly to the outside world. But they're absolutely essential for the ability 
to hear. Without them, only 0.1% of the sound energy that hits the eardrum would be transferred to the inner ear. So God arranged these tiny parts in a way that maximizes their leverage, and they produce a sonic effect far beyond their extremely small size. Well, let's apply that to us. With God empowering us, we can produce kingdom effects way beyond our small size. The human body has no insignificant parts, as you well know, nor does the body of Christ. And you and I, each one of us has a sphere of influence, no matter how big or small. It's a sphere of influence that we need to capitalize on. No matter how visible it is, no matter how invisible it is, we all have this vital role to play in redeeming and restoring this planet, which is so broken. We all have that vital role, which comes to the above and beyond pledge. Whatever amount you give, whatever amount you pledge, it makes a significant difference for the kingdom. Whatever you give sacrificially will make an incredible difference and do immeasurably more, as Paul says. And whichever form of missions you do, whether praying or partnering or going, it makes a massive difference, most of which we do not see, but God sees it. And God works it for His purpose. And it takes all of us. It takes all of us. Each of us has a significant role in spreading the gospel. How many of you remember June 1969 when they landed on the moon? Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. Uh, Neil Armstrong's on the left. Aldrin is on the right. It was just an amazing time. I was a kid, but I'll, I'll never forget that day. When they returned, Michael Collins, who was the pilot who was in the middle, he was in uh, the ship that kept circling the moon while uh, Armstrong and Aldrin were walking on the moon. Astronaut Michael Collins said this after they returned. He said, all this is possible only through the blood, sweat, and tears of thousands of people. All you see are three of us, but underneath the surface are thousands and thousands of others. Now, are we take, to take that literally, the answer is yes. And it's confirmed in a book by Catherine Timmish called Team Moon, If you can see the subtitle, Team Moon, how 400,000 people landed Apollo 11 on the moon. And she talks about how this happened and how it took that many thousands of people to make it occur. Thousands of hidden heroes, spacesuit seamstresses, and radio telescope operators and parachute designers and so many others who made it possible for them to get to the moon and back. At the Kennedy Space Center, 17,000 engineers and mechanics and soldiers and contractors helped take this enormous missile and send it into space. There was a 24-year-old computer whiz kid named Jack Garman. I think I have a picture of him there. 24-year-old guy, and there were these serious computer glitches. If you know anything about uh, the landing of uh, the lunar excursion model onto Uh, the moon, they ran into all kinds of glitches, and it was this 24-year-old young man who worked through those glitches so that they were actually able to touch down on the surface of the moon. There was a woman who knew the computer code, put together the computer code that ran all the systems of software. Her name was Margaret Hamilton. She and some other uh, people who had just graduated from MIT, those are, uh, that's a stack of all the software they had to put together to get these men to the moon and back. She was the computer code leader on that. Think about this. Roughly 500 people worked on the spacesuit. How did that happen? 500 people, including one seamstress who was quoted later saying, we didn't worry too much until the guys on the moon started jumping up and down. And that, that gave us a little bit of an eyebrow twitch. That's what she said. 
Well, no wonder Neil Armstrong would later say that as he took his first step on the moon, do you remember that? One small step for man. As soon as he took that first step on the moon, he said, immediately I thought about all those 400,000 people who had given me the opportunity to take that first step. That was the success of Team Moon. Okay, that's great and marvelous and amazing. What's even better is that you and I get to be a part of the success, the guaranteed success of Team Easter. We're going to celebrate that soon. And, And this stuff is amazing, but it pales in comparison to that. Because it's going to result in a redeemed world, perhaps a redeemed universe. It will result in all things being made new. And you and I get to be a part of the success of Team Easter, of Team Jesus, if you will. Celebrating the fact that the tomb is empty and that there's hope for everybody. And that brings us back to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through generations forever and ever. Amen. That's why we go. (laughs) Infinitely more. He can do amazing things. And that's why we dare to go above and beyond. Back in the 19th and 20th centuries, there was a great preacher named G. Campbell Morgan. I talked about him a couple of weeks ago. And after he preached one Sunday, a woman came up to him and said, do you think we should pray for even the little things in our lives or just for the big things? And in his dignified, reserved British manner, he said, Madam, can you think of anything in your life that is big to God? Good question, because the answer is a resounding no. What is big is our chance to go together above and beyond as we minister for him. Once again, as we did in last week's service, we pointed out that at the very end of your bulletin there, it says under the ministers who are listed, missionary in residence, and that is you. Primarily, you are the missionary in residence here. This is your spiritual home. But then you will leave this place and become the missionary you are called to be. Much more than a member here. We need to start thinking of ourselves not as members here so much as missionaries here. Resident missionaries always ready to get back out there where the gospel needs to be shared. Let's pray together. May we go above and beyond, O God, and see the fruit, see the success of what it means to proclaim the empty tomb across the globe. Thank you for that opportunity and our honor to give sacrificially that we can see your gospel spread in infinitely amazing ways. Be with us now at this time of commitment as we stand and sing together. We pray these things in your name. Amen.